Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. The book of Job, chapter 36, verse 16. And then we're going to go to Exodus, chapter 14, verse 15 to 22. I've titled my message this morning, Left Behind. Left Behind. You know, one of the Christian movies that was doing the rounds when I was just a young boy was this whole series of movies that was called The Thief in the Night. I think another one was called Left Behind. Come on, who remembers those movies? All the older people, all the beyond 50s, I'm part of that group now, all the beyond 50s, right, we remember that. And I remember our little Baptist church would often play this movie once a year, A Thief in the Night. And the whole, the whole story of the movie was the fact of Jesus coming back the rapture, and that God would take his bride, and those that were left behind were the people that had not committed their lives to Christ, right? This is the whole premise of the story. And so they would see story. I don't know if you remember the, the, the guy called Larry Norman, you know, he, fantastic back in the day. He was like the, he was kind of like the Hillsong of the day. And uh, he wrote this song, and it was a, a, the whole thing about a thief in the night, and two people walking down and one will be taken and one will be standing still and you know Jesus talks about that and so I remember coming out of the Baptist church you know absolutely scared to death and the next morning when I woke up you know not hearing a sound in the house thinking that my family got raptured and I was the one who was left behind and I would run into I would run into my parents bedroom and there's my dad I thought oh, thank you Jesus I haven't been left behind you know you know, I'm a real Christian, you know, I really have followed God, you know. But every, every, every year, we, they would play that movie. And uh, the amount of times I gave my life to Christ <laughs> after that movie, because it just scared the bejeebies out of me, you know. Well, this message is not about that. This message is not about being left behind. This message has a little bit of a different type of idea because I do think that there are moments in our walk with God that sometimes we are feeling like we have been left behind. There are times that we feel like that maybe we have been abandoned. And the Bible says this in the book of Job 36 verse 16. It says, He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. Exodus 14, verse 15 to 22, I believe the Israelites were feeling this idea of being abandoned and being left behind as they had been pulled out of Egypt through great signs and wonders, and now they are facing the Red Sea. And the Bible says that before the parting of the waters, they could see the ocean in front of them, almost like a, a barrier for them moving forward. And yet behind him, they could see the Egyptian army coming against them. And the Bible says in that moment, they started freaking out. They started getting concerned for their very lives, thinking that God had left them behind. And the Bible says this in Exodus 14, verse 15 to 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me as a result of what they're seeing? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them 
and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, though his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army. In other words, he was leading them. The Bible says that he withdrew and went behind them. I want you to notice that. And the pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. I love that. So that neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned into dry ground. And the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Don't you love that passage of Scripture? I must admit, when I was a child, I would try that. Grab a piece of stick, just see whether I could do what Moses did. Never worked. I want you to notice in verse 19, then the angel of the Lord who'd been traveling in front, in front of Israel's army, in other words, he was leading them, he withdrew and went behind them. I guess the question I want to ask you today is, what happens in our world when we feel that God withdraws from us? When we feel like we are in the middle of it, whatever it may be, whether we are being obedient and we have this sense that we're doing what God has asked us to do, but somewhere along the journey, somewhere along the way, there have been some circumstances that have taken place. And we've landed in this position where we kind of feel that the grace of God has withdrawn, where we feel like we are fighting this battle on our own. You know, there's many times in life that I've, I've experienced this myself, that when I'm in the middle of a battle or in the middle of what God is asking me to do, there are times that I don't feel God or I don't sense His presence. Or maybe the breakthrough that I experienced in the early days when God gave me vision and God gave me this sense that He was directing me halfway along the journey. I don't sense that anymore. And it just feels like hard work. It just feels like a daily grind of just pushing this thing forward. I think the Israelites continually live with this idea of thinking that they were abandoned. This roller coaster idea of God takes them out of Egypt. Moses goes up into the mountain. The Bible says, where's this guy called Moses? We've, we've lost him. We don't know where he is. This sense of abandonment. I think we see here in the book of Exodus again, as they are facing the wall of water and the the Bible says the army of the Egyptians is coming behind them. But again, there's this sense of abandonment, this sense that the Spirit of God has withdrawn from them, this whole idea that they are now on their own. And the Bible says that they start to freak out. I want you to notice this dialogue before this passage. In verse 10, uh, chapter 10 of verse 12, And as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us? Listen, listen to this. What have you done to us to actually bring us all the way out here? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians? 
it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. This is not coming from a group of people that had a great sense of faith. It's not coming from a group of people that had this great sense that God was with them. They'd seen the signs and the wonders, and now they're standing at the precipice of this next season. And the Bible says that they felt abandoned. The Bible says that there was this sense with them that God had withdrawn from them, that the grace of God had lifted off their life. You know, it's amazing how many times I see this in life and in ministry. I was talking to a bunch of pastors when I was in Romania. You know, what God is doing there is remarkable. I did a a pastor's conference of about 400 pastors of a a kind of a generation of people that are seeing a move of God. But I also spent some time dealing with a couple of other pastors that started a new church in their town. You've got to understand, in the town that they are at, it's a very religious town. It's a very, it's a town that has got a lot of strongholds when it comes to the ideas of religion and, and you, know, uh, you know, when you preach and, you know, when you move in the prophetic, people are blown away because they've never seen that before. And yet these two people have started this church and they weren't even pastors. They left their old church. They believed that God had more for them. They started this church. It was a musician and a keyboard player, a singer and a keyboard player. They say, we wouldn't even say that we're pastors. But they say, we felt that God wanted us to begin to start this new generation church. And the church started to grow. And uh, they started doing a conference. And people started to come. And we're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. But just from another religious perspective, they just had constant conflict. They had this constant thing of this just religious institution just coming after them and, and just causing them pain and, and just causing them resistance and preaching, about, preaching against them on the pulpit. You know, we often talk about the enemy, uh, you know, just doing damage to the church. I've got to say this. I think many times in church we do more damage to ourselves than what the enemy does. Come on. You know, you see this all around the world. And here we see that these guys were just doing something for God, but they had just had this resistance and this pressure. And uh, as we spent time with them, I said, you need to connect with these other guys. And they said, oh, well, their they, they, instant response is, they won't like us. I said, no, I think they will. I said, I think that they are of the same DNA as you. I said, I think they're, that they're connected in the same way. Really? I said, I think that they are. And we were driving with these guys throughout Romania because I really wanted to get into their heart. And I remember, you know, halfway through the trip having, having a coffee with them. And the guy looks at me and says, what's the catch? What's the angle? So suspicious. Just this sense that people have just let them down so much that this sense of that, you know, why would you do this? And I said, well, we just, we have a heart for Eastern Europe. And, uh, you know, we are looking for like-minded people. We believe that God is doing something. We saw it in a youth camp that we did a few years ago, and we had a massive move of God. And I said, I just believe there's some synergy here. I said, let me say this, we are busy people. There's nothing that we want from you other than just healthy relationship. And the guy was blown away. And this is, this is what he said to me. He goes, you know, we've been in church life a long time, but this season that we have been in, even though God has blessed the church, we feel like orphans. We feel abandoned. We feel like no one cares for us. We feel like the fathers of the faith have given up on us. And I begin again, think about this whole idea of this sense that when you're doing what God has asked you to do, there's sometimes you go through this season of abandonment. 
We're even in this picture of the angel withdrawing. That sometimes we feel we're doing it on our own. We're fighting the battle on our own. Where is God in all of this? Where is his presence? Where is his grace? Where is his power? Where are the things that he promised in his word? How come I'm not experiencing those things? We see this when it comes to the Israelites, that they felt abandoned by Moses, that he'd let them up the garden path, abandoned by God. This whole idea that after God had released them out of Egypt, it's kind of this sense with the Israelites that, so this is where we've landed. After all that has happened in our lives, this is where we've landed. Again, I had a conversation with a couple uh, just a few weeks ago, and they talked about some of the breakthroughs in the earlier on in their ministry and what God has done, and now life hasn't kind of uh, uh, lived up to their expectation. They're now having to deal with things that they didn't expect, you know, and all of a sudden some you know, issues are coming and problems and you know, mental health issues. And, and the lady was saying to Frank, as she goes, after all that we did for the Lord, is this where we've landed? Is this where it's kind of landed in the place for us? Again, the same type of idea that we thought we'd sow into the kingdom. And yet this is where we've actually resulted from. And for the Israelites, I think they saw where they'd come from. But they were seeing where they needed to go. And the signs and wonders had only taken them this far. But now there were no plagues to rescue them. There is no nation stopping miracles to deliver them. All they can see is a wall of water in front of them and an army gaining ground behind them. And they cry out to Moses. They say, you've led us here to die. Where is God in all of this? I would rather go back and live in slavery than to the place that you've taken me today. And I guess the first thing when I read about this story is that it gives me great comfort. Because if you've experienced this, we see this experience in the Bible as well. This is not the first time. In the journeys of life, where is God? Where is his power that once delivered me? After all that we've gone through, we've actually ended up in this place. And, and think about, just think about the judgment call that the Israelites make at that moment. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back and be slaves again. We would rather be in bondage than be actually in this place. You know, I've seen this many times in my pastoral ministry. Rather than going forward, people have decided to go back. Rather than pushing forward, People have taken that moment in their life thinking that that moment would be forever and rather than keep believing in faith, they've actually pulled back. Oh, I wrote this down as I was preparing for this. Maybe this is a word for someone. Imagine if God answered every one of your prayers on a bad day or a bad season. I praise God that there are some prayers that God did not answer. When I prayed a prayer in a bad season, when I prayed a prayer, God, will you just take me back? I've made a mistake. You know what? The stuff that I'm engaging in right now, it's not working out the way that I thought it would be. But praise God that God doesn't listen to the prayers that we pray when we are praying them in a bad season. Come on, who can believe that today? You know, look, I remember years ago when, I, when we first came to Melbourne, and though... 
people were lovely and we were building relationships with people. The reality is we left a life in Adelaide that we had built over many years. And so things like familiarity and just people that you could just hang around with. In the early days, we, we really didn't have that. I remember, I must admit, when we first came to, to the church, there was this, I understand a healthy respect for the pastor. And that's what I love about this church. There's a healthy respect for leadership. But I think when we first came, there was almost this sense of that we were untouchable. And I hated that. Because we love to get around people. We have people around our house all the time. And so because of that, there was almost this sense of isolation. And I remember, you know, talking to Franka about it. And obviously for her, her family's a big deal in Adelaide. And, and leaving all of those Italian relationships, you know. I mean, I love my family, but Germans kind of treat it different than what Italians do. <laughs> you know. Not that I don't miss my family. But it's a deal, but it's not a big deal, you know. And, uh, you know, the friendships that we'd built over 30 years. And I, I must admit, I did go through a season in the early days wondering, have we made the right choice? This sense of just feeling just, okay, God, you, you gave us the vision, you spoke to us, you know. So we've stepped out in faith, we're here now. And it's maybe not happening as fast as what we thought it would and relationships aren't building as deep as what we thought they would and there's kind of this gap and uh, wondering God where are you almost this sense of abandonment or this sense of withdrawal and I remember going to a meeting and uh, it was a it was a state meeting and I was preaching at it it was up in Bendigo I'm sorry Ballarat and I finished preaching and a guy comes up to comes up to me at the end of the meeting and this guy had a prophetic gift he was actually known as one of our kind of one of the very strong prophets in our movement. And he was in the meeting and he turns to me and goes, I've got a word for you. And it's the most powerful word, I never forgot it. And he said, you know, he says, I see your hands that were in shackles and now they are unshackled. And God is saying to you, don't shackle again what I have unshackled for your future. Don't go back to your past when I've set you free from that for a new vision, a new future that I've got for your life. And anything you revisit is like a shackling together, but I've unshackled the things that were shackles over your life. And what's amazing with Israel, they wanted to be shackled again in that moment. They wanted to go back because facing the future was too difficult. It was too challenging. It was too faith-stirring. They wanted to go back into those shackles. And I would encourage you today that maybe you are in that season right now. Maybe there is a sense of withdrawal. Maybe there's a sense of abandonment. Can I encourage you by the power of the Holy Spirit, don't allow your lives to be shackled again to the things that God has set you free from. Just don't look at God in that moment and think it's all over. I want to give you some alternative ideas when you go through seasons of abandonment. I want to give you some ideas when you go through seasons where you feel like the presence of God is withdrawn from your life, where you're kind of doing it on your own. You're obedient. You took a step of faith. And now you're kind of going through this season where all hell is breaking loose and you're just holding on for dear life. I think we can... 
treat these seasons a little bit differently. I would say perceived seasons of abandonment because God has never abandoned us. God has never left us. God has never walked away from us. It's just our perception of what is actually going on. And I think perception was Israel's problem. It was Israel's misunderstanding, a wrong perception of what was going on. I want to give you three things here very quickly, and I'll read them out, and then we'll go through them. You see, not abandoned, but repositioned. Not abandoned, but coming in between. Not abandoned, but separating light from dark. Let me read this again, and we'll go through these in detail. Not abandoned, but repositioned. Not abandoned, but coming in between. Not abandoned, but separating light from dark. I want you to notice the first one. They were not abandoned, but they were repositioned. Not abandoned, but repositioned. You see, the presence of God didn't abandon them. He just repositioned himself. He went from the front to the back. I think this is such a powerful idea that he was leading them but now, church, the circumstances have shifted. The challenges that they were facing have presented a different opportunity, a different response to the things that actually lay ahead. The Bible says that then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew, but didn't leave them, withdrew and went behind them. You see, they didn't need leadership at that moment, but they needed protection. They didn't need guidance. They needed God to take care of business for them. And God repositioned his help from guiding to guarding, from directing to defending, from vision to being a vanguard. I think often in life, God changes tact in our lives. And I think we have to be perceptive about where God is actually taking us. I think there are seasons of visionary moments, seasons of inspiration, seasons where you feel the stirring of the Holy Spirit. But then there are seasons of strategy, seasons of God giving you detailed plans, seasons of having to put the hard work in. Sometimes those seasons aren't exactly inspirational, but God is still over those seasons. And then there are seasons of defending. And then sometimes there are just seasons where you and I have to hold our ground where we're not going to go anywhere, where even though there are things that are moving around us, we've made a decision that we're going to hold our ground. I want you to notice what Moses says to the people in verse 13, in response to their fears of abandonment. Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, well, you will never see again. I love that you will never see again. What you thought would wipe you out, you will never ever see that again. I prophesy that over people right now. The stuff that you've been facing this year, I declare that you will never ever see it again. That some of the sickness and some of the opposition and some of the pressure and some of the stuff that you've been engaged in, I declare this morning that there will be seasons that you would never ever see it again. The Lord will fight for you you need only to be still. You need only to be still. There are people here that God has given you vision. 
has given you a way forward. You don't need any more vision. You just need to hold your position on what he's told you. As a church, we don't need any more vision. We know where God is taking us. We've got to firm up our position. We've got to hold on for dear life. We've got to keep pushing forward. I don't need another word from, I say this respectfully, I don't need another word from God. I don't want to know what the next 15 years hold. I've got the next five years down pat. We've got to hold our position. We've got to keep going what God has called us to do. Right? And we see this with Israel. We see this with God. Standing still doesn't mean not doing anything. Standing still means not shifting from the faith position that God has spoken to you about. You see, notice, I love this picture, Israel is standing still, but God is moving all around them. Israel is just standing there, but God is the one who's moving. Many times, I love this picture, many times we have to think we've got to move around. Fix things up. Make things happen. Fix that. Sort that out. You know, when I used to work in, in, um, in, at the good guys, I used to have a boss who, you know, when we'd stand around, he used to say to us on the shop floor, he goes, all right, boys, start to bounce around, bounce around, bounce around. So I used to do that, bounce around, bouncing around. Make them look like we're busy, bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. Sometimes when things aren't going the way that we think that they should be, we've got to keep moving around, fixing stuff up, sorting that out, right? Many of us are control freaks. I've got to control this. And I could control that. And when it's out of my control, then it's out of control. But here, Israel, standing still. And God is the one who's moving all around them. God is the one who's moving. He's in front of them. And now he's behind them. Soon he'll be at the parting of the Red Sea. And then he'll be leading them again. It's a wonderful picture of faith. Almost like the potter and the clay. When we talk about the way that God moves in our lives, the pot is standing still on the rotation wheel. The pot's not going anywhere, but the potter's hands are moving all over the pot in order to shape it the way that he wants the pot to be. Jeremiah 18 verse 6, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like clay in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand. Let me say this, by you standing still, it doesn't mean that you're not doing anything, but you allow the Holy Spirit to shape your life. You allow the Spirit of God to move all over you. You're allowing God to do things that you cannot do, to fight battles for you, to close the rear guard for you, to open doors for you, to sort things out for you. Some of the greatest faith position that you and I can ever take is just standing still and allowing the Spirit of God to do what He does best, to blow over the face of your waters, to begin to create things and birth things and allow the Spirit of God to come and breathe life into those dead areas of your soul. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good one to clap to, I think that. I think standing still is a great thought. I think when we think we have to do, 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 I think we make more mistakes. I think we get ourselves into more trouble. Because we feel like we always have to do, always have to fix things up. Always have to sort things out. Listen, let me give you another pizza illustration. Right? When you're working the dough, 
if you work the dough too hard, it's going to come out like a rock. Sometimes you've got to know when to back off and leave the dough alone. But when you're kneading the dough, if you spend too much time kneading, that thing ain't going to come out like a pizza. That thing's going to come out like a rock that you can throw and kill someone. I remember the first pizzas that I made for my family. That was as hard as a rock. I thank God that my family have got a spirit of long-suffering. The amount of things that they went through for me to get the perfect pizza, it's an absolute miracle that they're still eating my pizzas. But the reality is many times in life we're like that. We think we've got to keep working it, working it, working it, working it, working it. I think there's an easier way. Number two, not abandoned, but coming in between. Not abandoned, but coming in between. See, the Bible says that the pillar of cloud also moved in the front and stood behind them. Listen, coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel. I don't know if we've got that up there. Coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel. In other words, the Spirit of God came and stood in between. He didn't withdraw. He didn't walk away. But he stood in between to create distance, to create a barrier. You see, even though the Egyptians were drawing near, they were not coming near to hurt the Israelites. I love what it says in the book of Psalm 91, verse 3 to 7. It says, surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. And he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Listen to this. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. We see this in the word of God. God came between his people and trouble. The trouble was behind them. And God made a strategic decision to come between them and trouble. I love this idea, this thought that God comes between the things that cause pain in our lives. I'm praying for some in-between moments. You know, I read this quote the other day. What stands in the way becomes the way. What stands in the way becomes the way. In other words, not all blockages that we experience are from the enemy. Many times God blocks one side to protect us so that we actually know the way forward. See, you and I, we love to pray for the open door, but what about praying for the closed door? What about praying for some of those blockages that maybe we want God to remove? Maybe they are in place. Maybe God has put himself between us and the pain of those decisions. What we see in Israel is that Egypt was their comfort zone. But their uncomfortable zone was their faith zone, was their grace zone, was their growth zone, was their future. You know, many times in life, God will put a blockage between your comfortable zone and your faith zone so that you are forced to move forward and not keep retreating back. And what we see this in Israel, we see this, is that God actually put a blockage, a barrier, in between the easy choice and the hard choice. God came between the comfort zone and the faith zone. God came in between the things that will make me go back and the things that, we can't, that will make me go forward. Think about this. God came between not just to save them from the enemy, but God came between to save them from themselves. 
because they wanted to go back. And so the Bible says that God came in between to actually save them from themselves. I don't care how long you've been saved and how much you know God and how smart you are. There are many seasons in life that sometimes God comes in between to save us from ourselves. To save us from actually going back. To save us from living a life that is less than what he has called us to live. That God actually puts these things in place to actually guide us and direct us. The, the, the in-between was not just to protect them from the enemy, praise God, but the in-between was to stop them from actually going back and taking a life that was less than what God actually had for them. I love what the Bible says. God says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The second idea here about God coming in between is that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In other words, God made the situation even harder than what it actually should be. I've always wondered why God did that, why God just didn't make it easy. I think that it's a good lesson for us in life. We have to look at these moments when life is harder than when it not normally should be. And not ask the question, has God abandoned me? But maybe ask ourselves a few other questions. What is the purpose of God in this? Why is this harder than what it should be? Maybe there's a greater purpose. Maybe there's a greater plan. What is the bigger picture here? What is, that God, what is it that God is wanting to come in between in order to strengthen my faith? The third one is this. This is the thing I want to build this altar call around. I want the musicians to come. Not abandoned, but separating light from dark. Not abandoned, but separating light from dark. See, the Bible says that it became dark to where the Egyptians were, but it became light to where the Israelites were. I think about the moments in our lives that we feel abandoned, that maybe we feel like God has withdrawn, where things have shifted and now God is moving differently in our lives. I think it's time for us to take stock. I call these light and dark moments, revelation moments, clarity moments, moments to take stock and look at your life. On one side of the presence of God, it was sheer darkness for the Egyptians. But on the other side, it was sheer light for the Israelites. You know, sometimes these moments... They're not there to destroy us or hurt us, but they're actually there for us to take stock. I call these moments light and dark moments. Moments where maybe I was in darkness when it came to the plan of God for my life. But in that moment, as God darkens my past, He illuminates my future. That in those moments, I get clarity. In those moments, I get revelation. In those moments, I allow the Spirit of God to speak to me. And rather asking questions, God, you've left me. Maybe saying, God, maybe you're moving differently in my life today. Maybe things have changed and maybe things are repositioning themselves. See, none of us like conflict. None of us like hard times. We just want life just to keep going the way that it's going. We just want to keep staying on that same river. But sometimes God creates light and dark moments and He allows us to go through them 
so that you and I can actually take stock of our faith. Take stock of the things that aren't working. Take stock of the things that are not landing in the place they should be. I've shared this a few times before, but when I was in Adelaide and just almost on the point of burnout in ministry, you know, not because I was morally corrupt on the inside, but just because I was doing, 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 doing and not resting in God actually opening doors and, you know, God actually doing what He does best. And I remember going through this season, God, you've abandoned me. I've served you so hard, but I'm not seeing the breakthrough. I'm not seeing what you said I would see. You gave me promises about church and about ministry, and I'm not seeing these things. And what's going on? This sense of abandonment and withdrawal. It was a light and dark moment. God wanted to give me revelation and clarity about my future. He said, you need to reposition yourself the way that you're doing ministry. You need to reposition yourself the way that you are doing life. You need to change some things on the inside if you want to make it for the long term. Church, the greatest testimony of your faith is not your passion today, but your passion for God until the day that you die. But think about the seasons that we go through, the disappointments in life. We have to think about these things differently if we are going to last the distance. And I see these moments as light and dark moments. Self-discovery. I don't want to be kept in the dark about my future. You see, Egypt was kept in the dark because they never opened their eyes to what God was doing. You know, it's really interesting that at one stage in Israel's life, sorry, at one stage in Egypt's life, God actually used them to save Israel. Right? The reason why Israel were in bondage was because of Joseph. So Joseph is the one that brought his family over from Canaan over to where they were to the promise to, to Egypt because of the famine, right? So we know that Joseph went before his brothers and his dad. The Bible says, I'm going to bring you, bring you over. Yes, you'll be buried back to the place where you were, but I'm going to bring you over. And it was there that they stayed and they became comfortable. So really, at one stage, God actually did use Egypt to save Joseph and his family. But now we see that somewhere along the way, the Bible says a new king came. Didn't have the same perspective. He was dark in his eyes and revelation. And so really the whole nation was in darkness because they weren't perceptive to what God was doing. And the Bible says that neither side came near to each other because of the contrast of night and day. The contrast of what God can do in those moments is profound in our lives. Where it was night, where it was a sense of abandonment, God can bring illumination. Where it's a season of questioning God, where it's a season of you feeling that God has let you down. It can go from night to day. Where it's a moment that God gives you revelation about your future. That God begins to illuminate. Where you begin to see the right side of blessing. You begin to get on the right side of what God is actually doing. Those moments of abandonment are not moments to destroy you. But I do think there are moments of lying in the sand to take you from dark areas of your life that maybe you've been doing life wrong or maybe you have been perceiving things the wrong way to things of light where you get a revelation of the future that God has for you. Can I encourage you today? I, I think this is a word this morning that deepens our faith. I think it's a word that brings maturity to our faith. A word that actually, no matter what we've gone through this year, that we allow the Holy Spirit for us to think differently through those moments of abandonment and those moments where we feel that God has actually withdrawn. But the Bible says that He will never leave us or forsake us. 
He will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible says that He's like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Even when we feel that we're far away from God, He's closer than what we actually realise. That's the last thing we see about the Israelites here. They thought they were far away, but God was so close. He was so close. So close to help. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.